You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I wanted to advocate for those people who, I won't say they're voiceless because they're not, but who've had their voices suppressed for so long. Mm. So it was always, I just wanted to be that person, either to speak for them if they were unable to, or at least give them a pathway. Welcome to the Black Business of Broadway, a podcast brought to you by the Broadway League and Black to Broadway. Here, we highlight the stories, how-tos, and successes of the Black professionals and legends of Broadway. I'm your host, Janine Scott. Today, I have joining me my friends and my cohorts who I have the privilege of working alongside in this equity, diversity, and inclusion work the Director of Social Responsibility for the Broadway, London, and National Touring Shows of Wicked, Christina Alexander, and the Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Manager at the Schubert Organization, Cassandra James. Thank you, ladies, for joining me today. Looking at at where you've, this field and where it's been and where we're at right now, and where we're going. Can you kind of get, talk to me about one, what, what led you to this work and what, you, what do you see in the future for this work? And we only have an hour. We only have an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll do the, the shorter of the longer. And that is, I've been in the arts my entire career, uh, whether that was as an educator or as an entertainer um, or as an advocate. And I've sort of had multiple roles. In fact, as an educator, it was something that was really important to me that I had teachers that were still active in the field. And I recognized that every time I would stop teaching to go back into the field, there was just more work that needed to be done to make it as inclusive a place as we'd been saying that it was, or as it was promoted to be for years. And eventually, in one of my stints just as an artist, I was able to work with a group of uh, folks down in South Florida to create the Diversity, Inclusion, and Accessibility Council, or coalition. And we were just trying to think, if we were going to host the TCG conference down here, that's that's how we got everybody in the room. If we were going to host the TCG conference down here, what kind of work do we need to do? 
what would we need to do here? And so that's really what got me involved in doing this diversity, equity, inclusion work, particularly in theater spaces. And that was a decade, maybe 12 years ago or so, that I really just wanted to focus on how can we make the theater a space that really is doing the work that we say already exists here. And mm-hmm. so I think that's, that's, that was my entry point into doing this particular work in this industry. All right. So for me, I've always had some level of advocacy that I've been doing, whether it was back in high school or, you know, where I was a on the HIV AIDS task force when I was in college and I became a peer educator, always had some level of advocacy that I needed to be doing. And so in all my jobs, I was always the one that was like, well, have we looked at this? Have we done this? And in my last position, you know, I had diversity added to my job description because I was like, well, how about we do this? And we started doing, you know, diversity book clubs and all these other different things. And it just led me to realize that I wanted to pivot and make that my full-time role. I wanted to advocate for those people who I won't say they're voiceless because they're not, but who've had their voices suppressed for so long. Mm. So it was always, I just wanted to be that person either to speak for them if they were unable to, or at least give them a pathway. And I've jumped around in different industries. So I can't, you know, unlike Christine, I can't say this has been my, you know, I've always been in the arts because you have don't want to hear me sing, but (laughs) this is where I found it was needed. And I wanted to be there and, and be that gap stop. Yeah. I love that you say that, Cassandra, only because I feel <laughs> we were doing the same things. I absolutely was involved in advocacy in high school. And I was an AIDS peer educator when I was in high school. And yeah, come on now, this is a family. Yes. This is a family. We've been doing this work for a long time. Yes. This is, yes. We're not new to this. Um, we true to this. Right. <laughs> right. I was glad that there was a space in theater or that we were making space for it in theater, but I was going to be doing the work wherever I was. I was a social mm-hmm. worker before I was in education. So I, <laughs> so I absolutely have this. I used to say, I'm really good at yelling at people on other people's behalf. That's what, that's what I used to tell people when I was a social worker. That's what I used to say. I was like, it makes me sleep better at night to know that I did something to help somebody who needed support. And maybe they didn't even know they needed that support, but I mm-hmm. am so be able to to be one of those people so for it's it's been the work that I've been drawn to forever and it is really encouraging to be in the theater in this space and have a cohort of folks mm-hmm. who, who have this understanding of we're not new to this we're true to this <laughs> yeah. yes I love you, it you definitely need that 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 support system because as you know this work when you read it when you are watching things when you're having conversations with people it can wear on you Mm. You, so you're like you are at the end of the day we are still human so the more that we are ingesting it's like okay i need to text janine real quick and be like okay make me laugh tell me something funny or you just (laughs) need to you need to do something because it is hard it's meaningful work Uh and you have to be passionate about it because it'll wear you down. But it, at the end of the day, it is very meaningful. So I have a whole script, right? I'm just going to jump to that question because you all have <laughs> opened up that door. So I'm going to go there. We're just going to go there early, okay? <laughs> We're going to go there early. I mean, this is just like us just 
we're having a conversation anyway. So we'll just do it early. <laughs> all right. The heck with my plans. Being a black woman, all three, all three of us are black women. And majority of us who are in this space um, here on Broadway are people of color. And so not only do we advocate for those marginalized groups, we are those marginalized groups and we don't get to take that hat off ever. How, how do you, how do you stay fresh? How do you stay, how do you stay inspired? Because you said it, you know, the work is hard. It's tiring. It's daunting. You have the, we just came off with Juneteenth. Before that, we just had the, the mass shooting in Buffalo where our elders were, were murdered. murdered. And then we have two years ago, what kind of precipitated all of this and started this, this, this mass movement, you know, to the heightening of our positions and where we are now with the murder of George Floyd. And so we have all of that, that we live as just black people. And then we have how we're trying to advocate for all marginalized groups in this industry. How how do you stay fresh? How do you stay optimistic? I was going to say, you know, I try and dedicate a time when I'm not looking at DEI stuff when I'm not, cause I will go down the rabbit hole of Twitter, of Instagram of, and just absorb all of this. So I try and dedicate a time where I'm like, you know what? I can't. So I will hang out with my niece. She'll paint my nails. <laughs> we'll watch, you know, like my little pony. I will reach out to my friends, my sorority sisters, anything that I can do to allow me to stay grounded and to realize that it's hard work. It's daunting. Sometimes it feels as if it's for nothing, but it is for something. It's for these people that I'm interacting with. Because when we have those conversations and, and I'm like, okay, you know what? This is my group. They love me regardless of whether I'm going to make this or not. So this is what's going to, this is who I'm doing it for. And, and they lift me up and we laugh and we joke and they fill me back up so I can pour back out to people at Schubert. I think mm-hmm. that's important because they always say you can't pour from an empty glass. And it's so true. You can work 16 hour days and you're not going to fix racism tomorrow. So you might as well work your eight, nine hours, go hang out with your people and come back and do it again tomorrow. Fight the good fight tomorrow. Cause there's going to be a tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Christina. A few things. One is I learned this. I learned this in education. I remember I used to go home and my, my home would look like my classroom and there would be papers everywhere. Cause I was grading papers all night long and not remembering that when you go back to school, the papers can still be there waiting for you. So part of that lesson was understanding boundaries and setting very clear ones about the way that I work. I was brought in and they remind you from time to time, this isn't a nine to five job. And I was like, well, if you say it's 10 to six, <laughs> then I'll get 945 to 615. But the other hours are if I happen to see the message, I can't be available for it all the time because while the industry is still learning, something we all know is that the work we do touches 
every facet of everything about the industry. And if we made ourselves in that space all the time, we wouldn't be able to see ourselves. And Cassandra, like what you said, the phrase that I tell everybody is, you need to have the people who know what your face looks like. (laughs) That way, when they see your face and something looks different, you know something needs to happen or something needs to change or there needs to be some kind of intervention. And if we're on top of it, we're able to catch it. But sometimes we get so into the work that we don't see it ourselves. So I think having those people, whether it's your sorority, whether it's your tribe. When I first got to New York, one of the first things I did was I tried to connect with all of the other people who had been hired in positions similar to mine. And I made it a point of going, I believe in community. One of the things that is that my work is all about is community building. And so I will, I am choosing my community. So I hope you want to be my friend because now we're friends. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh, <clears throat> when, I, when I first started, I sought out Janine. I was like, hi, you don't know me, but <laughs> I just started. <laughs> but I love, but I, I love it. I love what both of you are saying because you, you both, in addition to all the others, and I'm not going to start naming names, but you both, in addition to all the others are truly my community. And so I, I am grateful. I am happy to do this work alongside of of you all and and looking at you know if you could explain to you know to our listeners what what is that what is your job what does your job exactly entail director of social responsibility for wicked so christina you're at a show which is different than being at an organization can you talk a little bit about how this work is being done on the shows and what challenges and opportunities and and what wins, you know, you see taking place? I think what's interesting about being at a show is it's not a new show. So in a very interesting way, so a lot of, so much of my experience is nonprofit theater or with large organizations and really corporate settings. And so this is kind of neither of those things, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the challenges that comes along with that is, and it's not new. So it means that we're not able to do foundation setting work in the same way as here's the first day of rehearsal. We've never been in this space together. Let's figure out who we are. So we're trying to reset culture in a place that's had an established culture for almost two decades. Mm. And my work is about culture setting and resetting. I try to offer resources to folks that know some of the things they're looking for, but sometimes, and one of the things that I think COVID made very apparent to everyone is just how sensitive many of us were and didn't know. And for some people, they're coming back even more sensitive than they were before. So really trying to help us come back into a space that's about product, not process, right? And saying that what we need is a process for when there's a problem that may impact the product. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you do all those things? So part of my job is that. Part of my job is trying to help forecast how we can think about things that can be in place so that we're ahead of in a really reactive industry. How can we be more proactive? (laughs) But also an interesting part about my social responsibility is helping think about what outreach might look like and thinking about how we can help our platform, help help the show use more of its platform 
to be more globally minded. And some of that already existed. They were already thinking that way when I got here, but maybe how can we be more intentional and always think work smarter, not harder. And the last piece that I'll say is that the other part of that is um, I do a bit of human resources. So I'm also the EEO person. So as it relates to complaints and investigations, I used to say I'm the person who just sucks the happiness out of the room. Like when I come, because <laughs> Just, there's there's been an issue. <laughs> How do we pivot out of this issue? Or before there's an issue, <laughs> let's think about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's also a great deal of joy. I get to spend time with really, really amazing humans who love what they do, and I think when it wears on me, because it can, especially because many of us are the only. We are departments of our own. One of the things that I think is really beautiful, it wasn't at a production of Wicked. I've seen, Janine, you and I saw Hadestown for the first time together. Mm-hmm. I've seen mm-hmm. Time since then. I love Hadestown for some reason. And the last time I went, I don't know what came over me, but I got incredibly fired up going, my job is to help these people. I am here for the people telling this story. Look at everybody standing and clapping. I love what we do and what we're, <laughs> it's just for the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For some reason, you got hit with I the got spirit that night. <laughs> <laughs> the equity spirit came the over spirit. you. The <laughs> spirit of equity came over me. And I was like, this is for you. For all of us. The audience doesn't even know what I do. And I love all of you. Okay, so I just don't know what happened in that moment. <laughs> I love it. But that's also part of our self-care. Thinking about what do you need to feel like you're being poured back into just how important that is. So apparently in that moment, it was going to see Hades town. It was one of Andre de Shields' final performances too. Uh, so I was eating to see him do the role one more time. Yeah. So it all lined up, but <laughs> <laughs> so that's what the director of social responsibility work is, but it's also recognizing that this is a position that is a, you don't know what you don't know kind of position. Mm. So, there's definitely a level of here's the things we think the job is going to be. And I just kind of keep calling us back into the room to say, let's look at it now. Are we still doing the things we thought? Do we need to pivot? How do we need to think about what else this needs? Which is very different also for me because I'm definitely often thinking more organizationally minded than just, it's, it's very, it's a very interesting thing to work production related because there's the work in the office with the folks who make the show happen or from, with the folks who are really in all the day to day. And it is a totally different world when you walk in the theater and you yeah. also think my job is also, what do these people need? And it's almost like two different worlds. And how do you bridge that? Because what we want is to help them figure out how to communicate, how to really do the work together without needing a translator or without needing. And, and, and I think, some of the wins are when we see more of that happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the things that we're doing at Wicked that I'm super proud of is now we do exit interviews, which makes me very, very pleased because we've had, last year, we lost our last original company member from the very first, you know, she was there for 18 years. Wow. <laughs> so we've got people who've been in the building for a really long time. And it has just been invaluable to hear their experiences and to create a space where folks feel safe enough to say the things. And I think it's helping us sort of grow and develop our listening ability, which I think is massive in a place that's so product minded often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
And so the Schubert organization, what what does that look like there? What is that looking like? My position is a new position, which is good and bad because, you know, like, all right, I can make it my own. I can do. But it's also that I don't have any guidelines to say this is how we used to do it. So I was like, all right, I got my job description, but I also have things that I would like to see. So one of the things that I knock on wood, it seems to be in the works of starting ERGs or employee resource groups for, for staff. So we have that, you know, starting acknowledgements of different holidays and observances. You know, I send out emails like, Hey, June is pride month. Here's some of, you know, some of the shows that we've done. Here are some of this, you know, it's holy, it's the lunar new year. So it's just acknowledgement of different holidays so people can go, oh, wow, I feel seen. I didn't even know that they would recognize that holiday of mine. You know, here, this is Eid. This is what Eid is. This is Ramadan. So all these different holidays that represent under marginalized communities are getting some light. So we're doing that, sending those out to bring acknowledgement. I recently revamped the supervisor training. So now it has more of a DEI focus to it. So, mm. you know, I talk about, hey, we're going to look at different places to post your position, not the same ones. When you're interviewing, here are some of the biases that can crop up when you're when you're interviewing. What's the halo bias? What's the affinity bias? Here's how we're going to defeat that. You know, Christina, you talked about being able to speak freely. In the training, I talk about here's how you create a psychologically safe team so your staff can feel like they can come to you. So your staff can feel, you know what, I'm going to bring my authentic mm -hmm. self to work and um, no one's going to question it. No one's going to say this. So you, So those are some of the things that we're starting to implement. So, yeah. Awesome. Oh my gosh. The psychological safety thing, huge, huge. And I think people don't, they, they don't even begin to understand, you know, I call unconscious bias and anti-racism training necessary, mm -hmm. but I think they're, I think they're the kindergarten, maybe first grade on this whole continuum that we have, you know, it's the intro, it's the introduction. We have to build on that and build on that and build on that because it, it, it's it's a journey. It is, and and I tell I tell people like diversity training, it's like showering. You don't shower one time and go, I'm done. You shower every day, so you constantly have to immerse oh, you yourself. Should. Uh, you, you should. Hopefully. You constantly have to immerse yourself <laughs> in these trainings. You have to keep yourself up. It's not a, a it's not a destination. You don't arrive and go, I got my certificate. I'm diverse. You know, <laughs> you gotta keep going because the world is growing. People are becoming more diverse. People are claiming their identities. Yes. So we yes. have to learn more. We have to interact more. So it's a con and I think that's the thing that I really love about diversity is that it's a constant education. It's a constant, mm -hmm. it's never going to get stale because someone is always going to say, well, I identify this way or and like, great. I need to learn about that now. Mm -hmm. Let me mm -hmm. educate myself on that. Right. Instead okay. of being like, I don't understand that. And so it's not real and being dismissive <sighs> because, <was> because <laughs> ugh, look, mm. I listened to this podcast and one of the, the, the guests said, you don't have to understand me to be compassionate towards me. Oh. It's about like, humanity. Yes. And I was like, wow. 
I'm like, yeah, you don't have to understand who this person is or how they love or how to identify to understand that they're a human. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to bring to our different organizations, that your colleague, regardless of who they love, how they love, how they identify, is a person worthy of respect just because they are a person. Yes. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So, so ladies, what, what are some of the most critical changes you think uh, need to take place uh, for for this industry. I think honestly, a mind a mindset shift. I remember when I first started telling my friends that I was working, I was gonna be working on Broadway. They were just like, "Oh my God, it's it's so liberal. You're gonna love it." And I'm like, I was like, "You think?" <laughs> like, so I think this this perception that people have of themselves because they work on Broadway that, oh, well, I'm so liberal. I'm like, I'm, a, I'm so, I, they're not talking about me when they talk about those people. So really understanding yourself in order to be able to take in what we're trying to do. So I think it's critical for people to, to do some self-evaluation and not be scared of what you find because mm. it's very hard to teach someone who thinks they know everything. Come on now. Come on now. Is that that the sermon? That's it. That's the one. Part of my approach to the work is exactly that, Cassandra and Janine. One of the ways that I try to invite people, right? I keep trying to use the phrase calling in. I keep trying to call us into the room instead of calling out who doesn't need to be there. Let's call everybody into this because we all need to be in the conversation, no matter where our access point is. And so some of the ways that, that I find brings us to the table just a little bit better is to create a process that everybody's able to see themselves first because we've got these grand ideas of what we want to change and what we can see the shift being and you know we can see what 10 years could look like if this thing was happening right however we don't get there if folks don't actually see themselves firmly and understand why it is that they also belong to be in belong in the conversation if that makes sense Mm -hmm. and so that becomes challenging in a space with folks who are used to being heard 
being centered. Being centered. Mm -hmm. uh, and so how do you, so it's a really, it's a delicate game also, because I'm going to bring it back to this is not the nonprofit theater, right? So thinking about how oversight works and thinking about sort of all of the things that are a part of how this industry moves means there is really a finesse associated with. Mm -hmm. It's show business. It's show business. It's business. That's it. That's it. How do you call people in in a way that they want to remain there mm. instead of I just wanted my certificate? Mm -hmm. Because that's it. It's it's way easier for folks to be to have the credential. I did the thing. I, mm -hmm. I I know what that thing is. So how do I invite you into saying this is something we need to continue to do indefinitely? How how do I invite you into that conversation in a way that makes you feel like it's somewhere you want to be, not because of guilt, but because you recognize that it is the way to be the best humans we can be. How and do we? And sometimes you know, as, as selfish as it is, you have to show them what's in it for them. You know, you have mm -hmm. to appeal to that selfish side, unfortunately, because you have to say, well, it's good for humanity. Okay, and mm -hmm. but if you say it's good for you because X, Y, and Z, that's the hook. And unfortunately, you got to get that self, but if it works, it works. Let me tell you what's in it for you and how you can benefit from DEI, how you can benefit from this. Your employees, if they feel like you are, you know, viewing them as their full selves, will stay. You will have longevity. You will have this. You got to bring them in some kind of which way. There's that. And there's also my invitation is often if I do my job right, I don't ever have to use the words diversity, equity and inclusion mm. for us to understand that the work is being done. Mm. Love it. Mm. Love it. I want to talk about those those folks who are marginalized who feel like they don't need this type of training because they already know. Or because they 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 are they are they are work and they're they are woke and they're already diverse. How do you address that? you can be marginalized in one area of your life and you can still be in a power up beneficial arena in another and oppress someone in a different way. So you, even if you are a marginalized person, you have the capability. I am a black woman. I'm marginalized because I'm black and I'm a woman. However, I'm able-bodied. So I could, I could oppress someone who's not. So I, I identify as Christian, right? Exactly. So and because I do. I mean, so part of that is like recognizing, and I used to love being able to offer folks the privilege wheel exercise. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because mm. again, it's about calling in, right? It's about us going, what we keep failing to do is remembering that it's more than about what we look like. Right. Yes. That doesn't that's that's not the whole picture here. And sometimes that's where folks get stuck. I don't need to do that training. I don't need to be in this conversation. Why do I? What What are you talking about? I'm black. I know what every this day. is. Let's be clear. You think I need to talk about this every day because I just know everything? Oh, no, I'm still learning also. And the hard one is when I'm learning about myself. Mm -mm. If and you it's are not uncomfortable, easy. that's where the learning is happening. That's it, right? Get comfortable mm -hmm. with discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> Most, and I think a lot of people, 
conflate that uncomfortable feeling with safety. So it's like, I'm uncomfortable. I, that means I'm unsafe. No, it means you're learning something new. Buckle up, because it's about to get real bumpy for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're like, well, I, this is not safe. I don't think you're, you're good. You're learning something. Right, you're going to be all right, baby. You know, our challenge is that as folks who have often identified as marginalized, there's also the connection that we're also folks who generally not ones with power. Mm. So instantly we put those in the same conversation. I'm not safe. I'm not the person with power. I'm not whatever else it is. So why would I want to be in that room? And actually you are safe. You're uncomfortable. This conversation isn't about who has power. It's, I mean, you know, there are just, there are just so many ways that conversation can go, but because we generally connect safety and power mm-hmm, and being mm-hmm. marginal, Mm-hmm. instantly, we don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that's not the conversation for me. And I I want to send around a survey that says, so which is the conversation for you exactly? How does that one work? Because if you're in the conversation that just offers you the platitudes over and over, that's not the one where you grow either. Mm-mm. Exactly. Exactly. So can can you can you both um, or e- either one of you speak to the work that you you all are doing uh, in the community out in the community to bring the community in uh, into our theaters into our shows? I know that you know Schubert has the artistic circle and they're working with you know producers who are you know BIPOC producers allowing their shows to be seen. So we are in the community helping, you know, give people a leg up who might not have had that opportunity, you know, five, 10 years ago. We're working with, you know, with BIPOC producers to to do that. Yeah, that's wonderful because we need more producers of color so that we can get more works that reflect the world in which we live. Yes. 100%. Can you talk about some of the outreach activities that that um, Wicked has done? Certainly. Some of the things that are really interesting that Wicked has sort of launched into, first of all, Wicked has what they call their for good partners. And so they've identified national partners that they are using their platform to amplify their works like the Equal Justice Initiative. Um, and gosh, EJI, if you haven't checked them out, they're, it's just wow, the work they do. And that calendar just blew my mind just, I just <laughs> that they have. But also the Trevor Project. Uh, we've got several partners, V-Day. So we're absolutely connected sort of nationally. We also had a, and I love that you mentioned it earlier, Cassandra, because it's one of the things that I have been pushing in and encouraging. I'm, I've been trying to use the less corporate term ERG and been calling them affinity groups. Mm-hmm. But I, I also put it in parentheses, employee resource group. <laughs> Just in case you're wink, wink. We know what it is. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, one of the employee resource groups that was really, uh, it came together during the, the shutdown was they, there's a group now called Change for Good that exists within Wicked. And they are really kind of a social justice leg of, uh, it was just a group of company members who felt like there was more 
that they could be doing. They could be using their the Wicked platform to amplify even more. And uh, it, it was exciting to see that kind of fervor coming out of the company, that it didn't have to feel like Wicked was going, hey, don't you want to be more active? But that it was company members saying, let's, let's do this work. And it always ebbs and flows, but it's exciting to know that there is that interest and that as we really sort of get our footing back underneath us from from remounting that Mm -hmm. the work that I'm doing is trying to help us reinforce those initiatives. So looking at how we can use our for good partnerships to maybe work in more local spaces, identifying local organizations or creating more opportunities for us to do that work. So that's where we are. But I love that that existed long before I got there, those Mm -hmm in the ways that Wicked has been working, um, the Broadway Green Alliance. So they already work with those organizations um, and looking at how can we, and I love that there's so much for good in the title of Wicked or in the language of Wicked, mm-hmm. in the sort of Wicked speak. And there is a real passion for how can we do that with fidelity and more consistently. And when I'm able to be in those conversations, I'm all, I'm excited again for all of the other conversations we have as a part of the work, but really excited to see that there's still such an interest to, to move that kind of work forward. Well, ladies, I thank you. I thank you not just for being on the podcast today, but I thank you for being my sister in arms in this work. Whenever I'm at my lowest or I text WTF. <laughs> it's you like, like sister friends unite. They're like, all right. Activate. It's like the assemble. Wonder Exactly. Avengers. Exactly. Assemble. Let's do this. Exactly. Diversity warriors. Yes. <laughs> So we we try to we try to leave one piece of advice because this this show, this podcast is for individuals who are looking for careers in Broadway. And this is indeed a career in Broadway. What would you what advice would you give future black leaders of Broadway? One piece of advice that you could give them. Remember your face. Remember what you look like, but don't center it so much that you forget what everyone else's faces look like also. Mm, I like that. I like that. And I would say create and maintain boundaries. I know for me, I have a tendency to want to say yes to everyone because I want everyone to get what they need. So I'm like, I can do that. I could do that. And then I'm working late and doing this and I'm stressed. So I would say maintain your boundaries. Say no to maintain your yes. Mm. I love that. I, I, I learned yeah. that from one of my DEI mentors. She said, if I say yes to everything, it's not going to work. So I have to say no to you so I can acknowledge the yeses that I've already said. I like that. I was like, I'm, I'm going like, to hold on to that one. No, me too. I'm sticking it in the back. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you again for for joining us today. I want to thank our guests and you, our listeners. You could have been doing anything else, but you chose to spend your time with me and I am grateful. Be sure to subscribe at bpn.fm slash bbb so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, tell a friend. 
I'm your host, Janine Scott, and we at the Broadway League hope you enjoyed this episode of the Black Business of Broadway. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.